At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham. The Florida Strawberry Festival in Plant City starts February 28th, and with the festival just a couple weeks away, we decided to revisit the special two-part series we produced on the Hillsborough community, telling Tampa Bay stories, Plant City. From the studios of WUSF Public Media, I'm Robin Sussingham. WUSF has been highlighting Plant City and the people who call it home in a special two-part series, Telling Tampa Bay Stories. We teamed up with University of South Florida journalism students to highlight different communities in our area. Two weeks ago in part one, we introduced you to a diverse group of Plant City residents. We learned about the changing landscape of agriculture in the Hillsborough community and how development is giving the small town a more urban feel. We also learned about the rich African-American history in Plant City and some of the challenges its residents face during segregation. You can hear part one on our website, wusfnews.org. Just click on the Florida Matters tab. Today in part two, we look at the places and events that make Plant City special. Most of the interviews in this series were recorded at the Plant City Photo Archives and History Center. And we'll hear more about that museum later in the show. But first, the center's executive director, Gil Gott, tells us about Plant City's number one attraction, the Florida Strawberry Festival. My name is Gil Gott. I'm the executive director of the Plant City Photo Archives and History Center. When the opportunity came to get involved with the center, I thought this is my chance to learn more about the functions of this small city and let the people know. Very family-oriented. It's a a lot that's built around the churches. And also you'll find almost everybody belongs to some type of a civic club. Mentioning volunteers makes me think about the Strawberry Festival because the Strawberry Festival is one of the largest and, and best events in the country. And it could not exist at all if it weren't for volunteerism. And people in the city love it. Most people identify with the Strawberry Festival for numerous reasons. One, it's uh, it's family-oriented. They don't have any alcohol there. It's also celebrating the fact that the strawberry is one of the biggest uh, industries in this area. It's uh, great entertainment now. It brings in a lot of youth. And they're growing flowers or raising pigs. We have an example of a three-year-old girl bringing in her cow to show. So that's something that you find it touches almost all, all lives in the community. And banks will actually just let almost all their people go to go out and volunteer. I mean, all the companies do. So that's something that really, really helps bring the, uh, the community together. Well, when they first started it, of course, they didn't know anything about festivals and fairs. And so you hire somebody to bring it in. And then they had a number of sideshows that they really didn't care for. And they wanted to be more family-oriented. So they did start doing their own bringing in their own acts and things like that. But because it was popular, it began to grow more. And the more it grew, the more people got involved, the more they realized that it does help focus on the strawberry. The strawberry growers got more involved, the industry got bigger, and the festival got bigger. But it's, uh, it's been an amazing factor in the, in the growth of the Plant City area. You know what was fun? Back in 99, people started talking about building the world's largest strawberry shortcake. 
people came out of the woodwork. They came from everywhere and they say, we're going to do this. We had hundreds, hundreds of volunteers. Strawberry growers donated all those strawberries. When Dixie helped us, they brought in a refrigerated tractor trailer. We went to San Clement and prepared all the strawberries there, put them into the truck, backed the truck down the street. Tim Martin and Bill Perolini built this huge table. It was eight feet wide and 104 feet long. <laughs> and we built the world's largest strawberry shortcake. And people didn't think that it could be done. And those are memorable times for, for me, just watching that all come together. Plant City held that record for world's largest strawberry shortcake until 2004 when it was broken in the Philippines. The Strawberry Festival was started in 1930 by the Plant City Lions Club and has grown a great deal. One staple of the festival throughout its long history has been crowning a Florida Strawberry Festival queen. Hannah Benton won the pageant in 2006 and says it was an experience she'll never forget. I'm Hannah Benton. Um, I am 30 years old. I own a business here in Plant City. I own a boutique, Ray Oak Boutique, stands for Random Acts of Kindness. So I really didn't do pageants growing up. I did a few local pageants, but never won anything. It was literally, I enjoyed dressing up and it was something that my mom and I could do together. I would have never thought that I would have actually won Strawberry Queen. And then I was actually going out for it in 2005, and I came down with Bell's Palsy, which is um, a paralyzation of the left side of my face, and mine went all the way down to my collarbone. So I ended up dropping out the week before the pageant, and um, I'll never forget my dad. Of course, it was hard to have to miss something that I had been looking forward to for so long, and my dad had looked at me and said, you know what, next year you're going to be able to do it, and Big and Rich is going to come to the festival, which was our favorite country band, and you are going to be able to meet them and represent our town when you meet them. So come, you know, December when they announced the artist for 2006, Big and Rich was the big finale, and it was just such a surreal moment because I was like, oh my goodness, like, this could really happen. Um, I just went out and figured, you know what, why not give this a whirl? And I felt so honored to be selected that night. It was just such a neat experience. Strawberry Queen gives you a confidence. And also, it, they do things like Miss Manners Night. Miss Peck McGinnis hosts you for Miss Manners Night. And it's something that happens right in the beginning. And she creates this beautiful meal, multiple courses, has the table set, you know, with utensils that I didn't even know why they were on the table. And she just teaches you how to be a lady and how to conduct yourself at 16 years old in these settings with the governor or with people that you wouldn't necessarily usually see a 16-year-old or 17-year-old sitting beside. Um, but also even just your confidence and speaking in front of people. It makes you think beyond yourself. And Things usually don't do that at that age, but whenever you are Strawberry Queen, you do see a difference when little girls, they look up to you and you're, you're representing your community. Like I was not just Hannah Hodge at the time, I was a symbol for Plant City. I'll never forget, I was at Sam's Club in Brandon with my mom and I remember somebody stopping me asking if I was the Strawberry Queen that year. And I just thought that was the funniest, coolest thing. Here I am a senior in high school and this person recognized me in Brandon. Also just the mentors that Strawberry Queen gives you, they invest in you. And whenever your year is up, you're still a part of the community, like 
my dad's not a farmer. You know, we weren't Plant City money. We weren't anything like that. But they embraced me even though I didn't know these people. And now they are my family. Like the people that I met that year are the ones that helped me to have the support and the success at Ray Oak, you know, 10 plus years later. But honestly, my grandpa, like 2006 made my grandfather's life. We have a tradition every year. I take him polka dancing, Senior Citizen Day, and the festival grandstands. And before we polka, we have to go to the Hall of Fame and look at my picture because, again, he's 81. And he will talk about, he'll introduce me as the Strawberry Queen, and it's been 12 years. But, um, yeah, it's it's uh, like nothing else. <laughs> it's just like one big symbol of who Plant City is. I mean, people come from all over, and it's so cool that they do to come to our itty-bitty town. I always say we actually have traffic during the Strawberry Festival. But it's not just the people that come from out of town. It's the people that live here to see, as a business owner, Our number one selling shirt is a shirt that simply says home and the O is a strawberry. And we ship it all over to people that no longer live here but still have that pride for Plant City. Owen Johnson is one of the many vendors serving up food each year at the Strawberry Festival. But that's just a side job for this restaurant owner. His family has built a food dynasty in Plant City, and many people say their restaurants are must-see attractions. My name is Owen Johnson. I own Johnson's Barbecue here in Plant City. Uh, Fred's Market Restaurant is my dad's next door. That's my dad. My dad's Fred. Grew up here in Plant City. Grew up in the restaurants a lot. The Strawberry Festival here in town, we've worked that from the time I was very little. I mean, six, eight years old, I remember catering parties with my grandfather. Still can picture the big stainless steel tables he had in his catering room with all of the pork butts laid out, getting those seasoned up and smoking those for the festival. I mean, I remember that a lot. See, I graduated in 01. We opened that location of the Johnson's Barbecue Restaurant in 03. So from the time I was 20, that was kind of my, kind of my deal. Our business has kind of grown out of Plant City, kind of being the central point. We have a lot of customers that we see, if not daily, a couple times a day, you know. We've got the traditional staples, the fried chicken, the collard greens, the mashed potatoes, macaroni. But we do have specials each day, you know, so you can come to our restaurant and eat something different each day. But I think, I think for me, I, I underestimate how much it's a destination place for a lot of people. People that travel from long ways away to eat lunch with us on a Sunday. Um, it has become a place where, you know, people go there from the time they're real little and they still see the same people in there working. I mean, we've got servers that have been there as long as I've been around. You know, our kitchen manager has been with us 20 years. Um, so I think that has been the biggest contributor to it being a real meeting place for the community. You know, it's, it's astonishing to me when, like, political candidates want to come through Plant City, that's where they want to stop. You know, Rick Scott came through city commissioners meet original bush came through i know when i was little when the cincinnati reds were here daryl strawberry and Dion sanders and rob dibble i remember seeing all those guys in the restaurant i like to tell myself it's the food because it's the way everyone's grandmother cooked normally i mean they used a lot of butter they used a lot of bacon grease you know it wasn't wheat non-gmo flour they made biscuits you know it was real food But I think the sense of community is a big deal. 
you know, and I've, I've come to appreciate that more as we've grown and it's not, you know, as we grow into new markets, they don't have that community feel, but the food tends to bring those people there. And hopefully one day those restaurants are as traditional and generational as Plant City has been. Um, Lakeland's a lot like that. I mean, Lakeland's got those core people that come every day and, you know, they, they recognize our restaurant as a family business. You know, I think of leadership, particularly when your name is the company, you know, leadership is such an opportunity. More than it is to teach somebody, it's such an opportunity to learn from my 450 employees. I mean, that gets me going every day to know that we've accomplished what we have, but it also, I think the entrepreneur side of everyone's mind is never satisfied with where we're at, you know? So finding new ways to make more resonance with our employees, you know, finding new ways to deliver a better greeting when our customers walk in the door. You know, I mean, it comes down to those little details, finding better ways to serve hotter, fresher biscuits every day. There is a tendency to try to make it trendy because that's what's trendy right now. But we're not that. I mean, we're not trendy. We're down home Southern comfort food. And we've always been that. You're listening to Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sussingham. We're learning about some of the places that make Plant City unique. Today's show is the second in a special two-part series called Telling Tampa Bay Stories. If you missed part one, which focused on Plant City's agricultural community, African-American history, and revitalized downtown, you can listen on our website, wusfnews.org. Just click on the Florida Matters tab. In the first half of the show, we met Gil Gott, the executive director of the Plant City Photo Archives and History Center. Now he tells us about the work the center is doing to preserve Plant City's history and how kids are getting involved. The purpose of the Plant City Photo Archives, it's in our mission, it's just that we want to collect and preserve the history and the heritage of the community. We want people to see, this is where you came from. These are your people. This is how you became who you are. And we want to make that available to the people and interpret it, write write the stories for them. We know there are approximately 120,000 images, uh, land deeds going back in the early 1800s. We have maps. So we have a very nice 1919 map of Plant City, uh, military photographs. We have yearbooks, marching parades, anything you could think of. People who have relatives in Plant City, people who've lived in Plant City, people who have just heard of Plant City, uh, will somehow find us and command to try to learn more about it. We have people every day, it seems, that come in and say, I've got just two minutes to spend and I want to just kind of look at some photographs. And uh, two hours later, they're still sitting there with these binders piled up on the table, going through all these photographs. So that's the train going past. At one point in our history, we had over 100 trains a day going through, and today we have 22 trains going through. We're always working with the, with the people out there who want to know more about their history. On a daily basis, people bring photos in. We have to process them and try to clean them up and preserve them so they don't deteriorate. But we get calls from, uh, and emails. We get a lot of emails. We had a, a gentleman who emailed us from California saying he, his grandmother was from Plant City, but nobody has any photos of her, and he thought she was here in the 30s, but she moved away. We found her photograph in a yearbook, 1937 yearbook, I think it was, emailed him that photograph, and he was so delighted that he asked us to email the entire, the whole yearbook. 
So we did. But find out one of his grandmother's sisters was also in that school that year. So, And we get these frequently. Had a man called from North Carolina. He said, I was going through my grandfather's barn, and I found a can that said Horsey Company on it. Do you want it? I don't know what he's talking about. And I said, sure. So in the mail came two cans that said J. William Horsey Company, orange juice. And I went into our collection of uh, photographs and found 43 photographs of the Horsey Company. I didn't know we had them. So now I've written a story about the Horsey Company, which was one of the largest uh, citrus-producing companies in the, in the nation. If you notice, there are changes going on in the newspaper world. They don't cover what they used to. Some newspapers are going out of business. People aren't taking photographs anymore. We're beginning to lose our history. And I thought, we need to inculcate in our youth the concept of the preservation of history. And I thought, how do I do that? So, well, why don't I start a junior archivist club? And then... One day, my wife showed me a, a catalog of children's books, and it was called B.A. Document Detective Series. So that's it. We founded the Junior Archivist Club, and we called it B.A. History Detective. And they liked the concept. Of, they didn't know what an archivist was, but they liked the detective part. So now we're teaching them. The first program we did was B.A. Photograph Detective. We took photographs and showed them, and I bought them huge magnifying glasses that they absolutely loved. And then they examined and and analyze all of these photographs one at a time. And what's in there? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? And uh, the kids, they're loving it. So we started with one. <laughs> but we started with one, then we had three, then we had five. Now we've got about nine of the uh, children, and then three mothers and one grandmother. Uh, they uh, par- also participate because it's such an interesting program. The two things we really try to make uh, clear to them is that the only reason you can look at these things and examine them is because we've saved them. Save your photographs. Now when you go back and look at them, you'll learn about what happened before. When nine-year-old Jaden Felix isn't collecting Legos or playing with his two pet goats, he's helping keep Plant City history alive as a junior archivist. He talks about some of his experiences with the club. My name is Jaden Felix. I am nine years old. I'm a junior archivist. A junior archivist is basically somebody that's younger than normal archivists that that save photos for historians to figure out what happened in the past. We look at photographs from Plant City a long time ago. I learned that during World War II, they stopped the Plant City Strawberry Festival in case, like, Germany or Japan or other countries attacked the United States. So they stopped the festival at the beginning of World War II, and then after World War II, the Strawberry Festival was back. So here's one of my stories where we were bringing in artifacts and I bring them a Lego car from 2009. They were pretty surprised because it still looks like Mulder Day cars, but they don't sell those anymore. That was the same year I was born, January 30th, 2009. I was born here. I feel like I'm home in Plant City. And I like how Plant City has sometimes warm and humid weather, which is my favorite condition. The only thing that is missing is the beach, but it's pretty close. 
The Junior Archivist Club is a perfect fit for 11-year-old history buff Hannah Rice. She talks about why she enjoys the program and shares another one of her passions, competing in livestock shows. My name is Hannah Rice. I'm 11 years old and I am a junior archivist. I like to take pictures. I want to be like a photographer. Mostly, I like to take pictures of like the outdoors. And I take a lot of pictures for my family. I also like learning about Old Plant City. My grandma actually takes me to classes. It's cool because me and her, we don't spend a lot of time together, but we spend like some time together. And I like that one-on-one time. To me, history is actually cool because you get to learn like more about what you came from, what was stuff like before you got here, stuff like that. I like adventure, and history sort of takes me through an adventure to like look at new stuff. I actually live in Lithia. We live on sort of a ranch. We have eight turkeys, two dogs, about eight cows, and two pigs. So last year was my first year showing something at the Strawberry Festival. I showed a pig last year. I won sixth place with a bunch of like high schoolers. My brother, he got first place. And um, I also show stuff at the Hillsborough County Fair. I won second place for that one. And my brother got third, so I beat him. And then he beat me, so it's fair. The best way to find out what to do in Plant City is to ask people who have lived there their whole lives, like Tracy and Jay Antle. They talk about what's come and gone in the community and why they've stuck around all these years. My name is Tracy Antle, born in Michigan, raised in Plant City. I'm Jay Antle. I was born in Plant City and have lived here all my life. Uh, We have been married 30 years. It used to be a department store in Plant City that was called Zares. I worked there in receiving and she was a cashier. After about three months of asking her out, she finally went out with me and we've been together since. Growing up there was just characters. I wouldn't even personally know them, but it's people that you would see. Uh, One gentleman that walked everywhere. Every time you drive into Plant City, he would be walking down some street. He was a substitute teacher. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he walked everywhere. Mr. Richards. Just just didn't know where he was Mm -hmm. going, but he always seemed like he had a destination to go to. Mm -hmm. And there was a man who used to ride the bike all the time named Jolly. Everybody called him Jolly. And I I think that was uh, ironic because I don't think he was really (laughs) a nice man. I think he was, (laughs) I think that was a play on words because he used to carry a a cane and he threatened to hit you with it, but they called him Jolly. Um, It's grown so much Mm -hmm. uh, since we went to high school. seems like there's something new popping up every day. We're like just some of the few that have lived here all our life and decided not to move away and, and just we're just going to stay here so it just it just feels good and it, it's nice to go to places that are still around there's not the much snail groves the yes, restaurant not, here mm-hmm. is uh i remember going to it when i was a kid with my grandfather strawberry hut where the cubans are they mm-hmm. seem like they've been there forever 
a lot of things have changed from where we met at Zares. It's no longer there. Uh, my first job was Burger Chef. It's no longer there. You know, so things have changed a lot. The Raider Room. When we were in high school, there was the Raider Room. There were the McDonald's is now. So that was an arcade. It was an arcade. A video yeah. arcade. Where and teenagers I, hang out. And uh, I worked in a grocery store. It was called Felton's. There is a Felton's in Plant City, but there used to be uh, three of them in Plant City. So it's like we've worked places and, you know, been to places that are no longer there. It gets frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain streets that you get on, the traffic is uh, unbearable. But, you know, I can understand why people would want to move to Plant City. It's a great location between Orlando and Tampa. It's close to I-4. Sometimes we get aggravated with how busy it is, but then there are times where we're like, come on Chick-fil-A. When are you going to build a Chick-fil-A? We're we're hoping that as it gets larger that some of the things that we have to drive a little further to get to, we won't have to drive so far. I remember when I was in uh, high school, the Feltons I worked at was right down from the Strawberry Festival. And I remember listening to Conway Twitty out there singing, and he was pretty big back in those days. I mean, even in the early 80s. So they they did have some big names that would come in. It does seem like the Strawberry Festival's grown, though. Yeah. From what it was. From what it was. used to be, it seemed like it was more the old country festival Mm -hmm. type atmosphere. But now it's so many food vendors and Mm -hmm. rides and games it's kind of it lost its uh i don't know the farm aspect to it and they still have a little bit of that but there's so much built up around it and i think that's what's changed for us one of the last times we went we noticed just we went i think it was a sunday and it's like you couldn't hardly move it was so packed full of people and that was when alabama was there right you could not you could not like move <laughs> we have three sons and all three sons are here, and now we have two grandchildren. Uh, our, my parents are here, and we just never want to leave. I think it's just the the pace. I mean, mm-hmm. the location is great. You can get to anywhere you want to go, and it's really not that, that far. But it still has that small-town feel, even though it's, it's grown. Uh, it's the memories that when we drive by the, the high school, looking at the water tower with the Raider on it, or the strawberry water tower over by the ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, those are just symbols of Plant City. Yeah, Plant City is home for us. We, we travel, we go on trips and everything, mm-hmm. but it's always nice to see mm-hmm. the sign saying, okay, you know, Plant City. Plant City 20 miles, mm-hmm. you know, it's like almost home, almost mm-hmm. home. That's it for today's show. You can find videos of the Plant City Photo Archive and Johnson Barbecue Restaurant on our website, wusfnews.org. Just click on the Florida Matters tab. And Florida Matters is now available as a podcast. Search for it wherever you get your podcasts or find a link to subscribe by clicking on today's show at wusfnews.org. This episode was produced by Stephanie Colombini, Mark Schreiner, Jeanette Abramson, and USF student journalists Aldo Pacini, Yara Zayas, Sam Newland, Chevelli Guzman, Josh Fialo, Erica Cole, and Becca Dembski. Florida Matters is a production of WUSF Public Media. 
I'm Robin Sussingham. Thanks for listening.